Welcome to the Insurance Post podcast. I'm Emron Hughes, editor of Insurance Post, and today I'm joined by the Association of British Insurers, Mervyn Skeet, Alliance Commercials, Lee Watts, and Genesis's Bart Patrick to talk about lessons the insurance industry learned from COVID-19. Today on the Insurance Post podcast, we're excited to have with us a packed panel of guests. With me is Mervyn Skeet, Interim Director of General Insurance Policy at the Association of British Insurers, Lee Watts, Director of Technical Claims at Alliance Commercial, and Bart Patrick, Chief Revenue Officer of Genesis. Three years on from the government advising us all to stay at home, protect the NHS and save lives, my stellar panel of guests are going to share their views on what the insurance industry got right and what we got wrong during the COVID-19 pandemic. Hi Mervyn, Lee and Bart, welcome to the Insurance Post podcast. Hi Emma. So, three years on from the UK's first COVID-19 lockdown, what did the insurance industry get right in helping policyholders and colleagues during those unprecedented times? Mervyn, what was right about it? Well, we did pay out a lot of claims. Um, We uh, paid out nearly two and a half billion of claims, we think, eventually. So a lot of claims were paid. We also put pledges in place to uh, support and assist customers across a range of different insurance policies, home, motor, travel, pet, health, across life insurance as well to uh, to support people during that time. Lee, what did we get right with colleagues? I mean, we went from everybody being in the office to working from home overnight. What did we get right there? Absolutely, yeah. I, th- I think insurers actually got a lot right during this. As Mervyn says, we we made a lot of payments. But uh, also, we had to get our own workforce into the office. So certainly within Allianz, we had uh, approximately 80% of our claim planning staff working in the office, uh, sorry, at home uh, within a week and it was quickly crept up to over 90% within a few weeks. So we, we had there to make sure we were there to support our customers and we also, through the pandemic as well, supported our suppliers so that they were better able to support those customers as well. So whether that be um, addressing rates, reducing age debt and things like that. Um, so yeah, I think the insurance uh, industry got a lot right. But would you agree we got a lot right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, when you look at it, the way that the industry mobilised in order to support this now, but not forgetting that insurers were under the same pressures as everybody else in terms of people were locked down and we experienced it in terms of the technology world in terms of insurers all of a sudden like going around buying every laptop in the world and mobilising their staff at home. It was an incredible response. So, And in terms of, well, you've kind of touched on it a little bit there, but... What did we get wrong? Obviously, possibly the reliance on desktop computers was quickly exposed by the pandemic, but what else did we get wrong? I, I think that the industry has largely masked that one quite well. It, it, um, I think we have wonderful people in the industry that um, do so much and fill a lot of the, the gaps in there. Uh, in, in terms of things that perhaps we got wrong, I, I don't think that the, uh, the industry is necessarily to, to blame for this. It's more about um, nobody knew what we were getting into at that time and the reactions uh, in terms of paying out some of the claims and some of the the wordings that were around uh, uh, sort of BI uh, insurance, healthcare insurance, travel insurance were written for something completely not suited to that. So I wouldn't say it was wrong. I think things were stressed by it and they could be seen as wrong in hindsight. Mervyn, would you agree that perhaps the pandemic showed um, that we were stressed by it and hadn't got every and hadn't had a crystal ball that could have foreseen this. There wasn't a crystal ball, but I mean, we had to think about the, the policies and, and how it will move forward, and, and think about the, the the clarity of policies and, and getting that right. 
and, and we've been working on that ever since. So th- there, are, there is things to be learned from that, but we, that's, what, that's what their industry is about, is learning from, from things that happen and moving forward. Lee, would you agree that, you know, that things weren't got right? And what would you identify as that, we, that the industry got wrong? Yeah, I wouldn't say that we got anything particularly wrong. I think the challenge is when you probably look at the numbers. So given the number of claims that we had as an industry and perhaps the, the number that were accepted, I think clearly those numbers paint quite a the damning picture perhaps. Um, and I think there is an element of uh, us learning perhaps that we need to be clearer in um, our wordings and what is covered and what is not. But I think that's easy to say in hindsight um, this was unprecedented. These policies weren't written, um, kind of foreseeing a pandemic, and that in turn has has made it quite difficult to in- interpret the wordings. Mm. I mean, you touched on it there in terms of talking about communications, um, Lee. How would you say some of the shortcomings that were identified have been addressed in the three years since that first lockdown? Well, we've certainly done a lot of work to kind of uh, tidy up and streamline and simplify our policy wordings, uh, as well as communication. So throughout the, the pandemic and since, we've tried to be as proactive as possible when there are challenges impacting the market. So an obvious example at the moment would be the challenge around underinsurance, uh, the length of indemnity period. So making sure that our policyholders are clear that they need to check those those elements of, of cover um, rigorously to make sure that they don't kind of get shortchanged, if you like, uh, when they make a make a claim. So, I do think there are, are good examples of where, as an industry, we're trying to be better. And obviously, the the cost of living crisis that we've got at the moment, insurers are kind of being quite vocal and and trying to help um, our customers out through this through this period. Mervyn, would you agree? How, how have you seen the industry address the shortcomings? And you know, is that really being highlighted during the current economic climate? Yeah, I think I think we've done quite a lot to to, to focus on the things we've learnt from from the pandemic. As, as has been said already, it was unprecedented, and, and we needed to, to to think about how we deal with things in the future. So we've definitely focused on on, on clarity of policy wordings and making sure that insurers understand what they're what they're getting from their policy. Bart, what progress have you seen um, to address shortcomings from a technological point of view in the last few years? Um, well, the continued transformation of insurance, well, it, con- it continues, um, shockingly. Uh, there are lots of things that we still need to do, um, but I, th- I think there's been a wholesale change in the way that insurers think about working practices, the way that insurers think about uh, remote working practices, uh, the developments in things like cybersecurity and enabling workers to be flexible in what they're doing has has been extraordinary uh, the response from insurers i mean there's still a long way to go there's, there's still lots of uh, um, technological legacy lurking out there but i think uh, it's come a long way in a very small amount of time indeed as you as you touched on there i mean at the start of 2020 it would be hard to imagine um that the insurance industry would be working in the way that it is in march t- um 2023 you know, ways of working have changed dramatically due to the lockdown. Roles that were once entirely nine to five, office based, and you know, are now being done remotely. But what impact would you say the pandemic has had on flexible and remote working? And what do you see in terms of insurance as the new norm of the in- way of working for the industry? Oh, I'll give you a good example. The fact I mean, we can't see it on a podcast, but the fact that I'm sitting here without a tie on and not in a suit 
Oh, we'll see it it's, in the photo box ah, uh-huh. that accompanies the podcast. Um, that uh, is something. I think there's been a big change in the way that we think about this. I think it's good for um, diversity in the industry. I think it creates more opportunities for a wider range of people to work in here. Uh, and ultimately, yeah, th- there are huge advantages in getting everybody together, uh, you know, clearly. And uh, we, we have to be very cognizant of uh, security and GDPR and those sorts of things. Um, but actually, there's huge progress. Yeah, Lee. What do you see as the new, the new norm? What's the new way of working for you? I think you'll find across the industry, it, it depends probably what type of role you're doing. But ultimately, it's more flexible. It's more hybrid type roles. Um, I think it's great. I think you know we've certainly done a lot of work within Allianz to make sure it's a, a collaborative. Uh, new ways of working uh, and we've let the teams kind of develop that ways of working so that we don't kind of force people to do a certain thing they agree it with themselves and, and coming in for the right reasons um, I think you need to change your kind of the type of office space that you've got so that you've got more collaborative collaboration space uh, for people but also in terms of um, talent attraction and retention you're no longer so restricted on geographical locations so you can you can get the right people for the right job so I think it's really opened up the the job market as well making it more diverse and inclusive Mervyn would you agree is that how you see the new way of working in insurance I think flexible working and hybrid working aren't necessarily the same thing it's important that you have flexibility as well as as well as hybrid some roles can't be done in a hybrid way, but you can still have flexible working patterns. So it's, it's really important that you, you focus on flexibility and giving uh, people the opportunity to work in a flexible way. Mervyn, would you, would you, do you get a lot of feedback from uh, members that they're still trying to perhaps find the balance three years on? Because it's very easy to forget that even a year, you know, a year ago, it was, it was, you know, we were still, um, weren't that, it wasn't that long ago since lockdowns and people having to suddenly work from home again. So do you think insurers are still fight, trying to strike the right balance? I think members have done a, a pretty good job actually of, of getting the balance right and making sure that there's the opportunities there for for their employees to work in, in the best way that's, that suits them, but also suits the business. Lee, would you agree agree in terms of the point that Mervyn touched on that it's also about different ways of working for different roles perhaps across the industry? Uh, I totally agree. Yeah, I mean, if if you've got a broker-facing role, then you need to, you know, be face-to-face with that broker to to do business with and build those relationships. And, of course, there'll there'll be that in in various other roles as well. Uh, So I think it, like I say, I think it really has helped. We've certainly seen um, feedback in our engagement surveys that it's, it's the people have responded really positively to it um, you know I think there's a new role for leaders as well in terms of understanding how to to manage hybrid workers and how to bring people together as a team even in a perhaps a virtual environment uh, and I think um, the leadership leaders of today will need to develop those skills going forward mm. I mean it definitely seems to be much far more conversations happening today about kind of that striking that right work-life balance than there was pre-pandemic but do you think the industry now has got that balance right or do you think it's still trying to strike the right mix of face-to-face meetings staring at screens versus face-to-face yeah it's interesting there was a a um uh, what do you call it something a, a post put out on linkedin i'm looking at it just before christmas and the the main training floor at lloyd's was nearly empty and it was seen as a bit of a, almost a bit of a travesty. And I think we're still struggling to work out as an industry, even in my industry in, in technology and 
those such things, let alone in the, the, you know, the industry that these chaps are in, in terms of actually physically doing insurance, it's still difficult to tr strike the right balance between what uh, staff really want and what the business really needs. We're not quite sure what it is yet. I remember seeing that post, which is interesting because one person's travesty is another person's massive achievement because that simply would not have been possible um, in at Christmas 2019. Um, Mervyn, what, what's your thoughts in terms of striking that balance? Yeah, I, I think it, it's 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 important to give people that flexibility, and if you can get give people that flexibility, then you will strike the balance. Um, the, the more flexible you can be, it, it allows you to tap into a, a wider talent pool. And if you can tap into a wider talent pool, that means that, that ultimately you'll find the right balance. Mm. Lee, would you agree? I think it's very much about conversations, isn't it? And perhaps understanding individuals' needs versus business needs. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. They need to have a voice in the conversation and work in their team to kind of decide what works for them. So it's important they have the opportunity to have team days and understand that they can have face-to-face -face interaction. Um, so, like I say, I think that's works really well. Mm, definitely an ongoing conversation. Perhaps the right mix today won't be the right mix a few years down the line. Um, also, um, one of the things that came out of um, the pandemic was talk of Pandemic Re. Mervyn, what progress has been achieved with Pandemic Re? Well, the ABOI and others in the industry have, have considered a range of options to, to deal with systemic risk. Um, and, and we've had discussions with government uh, but it, ultimately, we need government to come to that table and have that discussion. Uh, systemic risk is not something we can cover as an industry in isolation, so we need we need to work with government to come to those 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 positions. And that isn't just around pandemics. There's other some systemic risks that are really important too, whether it be cyber, uh, climate, and, and other areas as well. Definitely, it's not something that the industry can do on its own. And um, Mervyn, what role do you feel the insurance industry should play in managing the risks posed by pandemics in the future? So, so I think we can we can certainly be a convening power. We, we we need to we need to get people around the table and have that discussion. Um, the industry does have a role to play in 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 some of those risks, but there are parts of systemic risk that simply aren't insurable by uh, by the industry alone. Lee, would you agree? It's not something that the industry can tackle single handed single handedly. Yeah, I would absolutely agree with that. I think we obviously need to have a voice in those discussions and help help guide them. But uh, yeah, as as Mervin said, I don't think we we're here to underwrite those risks. Bart, I uh, imagine you agree. Yeah, we need a balanced approach to this. It's unreasonable to think that the insurance industry can bear these types of as as Mervin said, as it's sort of systemic risk. It's um, you need a balanced approach to it. The right deductibles, the right wordings the right insurances, the right rates, the right reinsurance, and ultimately backed by some form of government scheme. And I, I mean, in terms of the current economic climate and obviously the um, financial burden um, from furlough and the support that was offered during the pandemic, Mervyn, do you feel the government is open to having conversations, um, perhaps more than they would have been five years ago, about the role that the industry and government can play together to manage these kind of risks moving forward? I think in the starting to become more open to those discussions it you know it's, it was difficult to have those discussions during the pandemic during the during the, the time things were happening I think they're becoming more and more open to having those discussions and we hope to pick that up during the coming year and um, fingers crossed for that thank you ever so much um, and that brings us to the end of this episode of the insurance post podcast I'd like to thank Mervyn Lee and Bart for joining us and sharing their insight on the lessons the insurance industry learned from the COVID-19 pandemic as always, also thanks to you for listening to the Insurance Post podcast. 
If you enjoy our episode, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to Insurance Post and following us on Facebook, LinkedIn and Twitter. Make sure you come back next week for a discussion on what the industry can do to become more diverse and inclusive. Until then, this is Emma Ann Hughes signing off. The Insurance Post podcast is a product of InfoPro Digital.